it's the show the establishment warned you about. And thank you for joining us today. It's Dr. Tommy Show. Welcome, 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 welcome. Brought to you by Atlas MD, the choice for membership medicine. Thank you. The choice for membership medicine doctors across the United States. If you want to join us and using Atlas MD as your primary source for taking care of your patients and your concierge medicine and direct primary care practice, go to AskDrTommy.com and click on special offer for Atlas MD, and then you can use it for free for 60 days like uh, one of our um, uh, doctors that we've talked to recently is a neurologist here in Tampa. She's going to be using Atlas MD, and we are very happy to have helped her on that journey towards finding Atlas MD. And I'm joined today, as always, by Tracy. Good morning. And Tracy is suffering from <coughs> Ebola. You can hear that. Excuse me. She is nearly suffering from man cold. Near, thank goodness, Near. but I'm a woman, so I would never have a man cold. If you've never had man cold <laughs> or been exposed to man cold, man cold is a severe, uh, well, it's a, it's a respiratory illness caused by a common cold virus. However, it manifests itself as severe symptoms such as cough, uh, fatigue, congestion maybe a little fever uh, a fe- it's so much worse fever than of a fever of 100 worse. to 101 yes potentially even above 101 <laughs> but very rarely above 101 but man cold if you've not <coughs> as you can tell if you've never Excuse had me. man cold or someone didn't have you I, ever had a man cold I, i've had uh <laughs> strep throat which is a- not as bad as man cold <laughs> okay man cold is worse i've treated man cold yeah, we had a patient call this week, and he said, "Treatment for I'm man cold tends to be a supportive care. Sometimes you have to go above and beyond, but man cold is not something to be trifle with. So, for all of you out there, if you're out there and you're not washing your hands or being very careful, you may end up with man cold, or your loved one, your husband or boyfriend may end up with man cold, and then you will wish that they did not have man cold. <laughs> That's a bad disease." I hope you never have it. I haven't had it. That might make you sleep outside in the shed. Yeah, I've got a couple of things to cover today. <coughs> One of the things I wanted to talk about was healthcare choices, <coughs> and uh, this is from the Washington Examiner. This is from Hadley Heath Manning. I don't know if Hadley Heath Manning is a man or a woman, and I don't want to uh, assume in this modern age of offense. But whoever Hadley Heath Manning is. Uh, healthcare choices should be as pr- widespread as our Thanksgiving choices. This is from the Washington Examiner. I think this person is excellent. They wrote a article which is nearly as, as good as I could have written and is after my own heart. And it starts, most people agree that turkey is essential to any Thanksgiving meal. After that, there's plenty of variety. Some say cranberry sauce is essential. Others hate this stuff. The same goes for dressing and other popular sides like sweet potatoes. Americans often disagree on what's essential in our lives, and that's fine. We're all free to cook what we like for our holiday tables and omit the foods we don't like. But unfortunately, we don't have the same freedom when it comes to our health insurance. The federal government is still dictating which covered prices, coverage prices are essential and which are not. The ne- this necessarily creates winners, those who are happy with the government's decision, and losers, those who are not. We can give thanks for some good news. Regulators <coughs> at the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services do recognize that increased flexibility would ultimately offer consumers greater choice and more affordability in health insurance. That's why they're currently considering a rule change that would do just that, give states more wiggle room in complying with the federal government's, quote, essential health benefits regulation. So 
if you remember, I spoke with Dr. Wax on his radio show, um, Your Health Matters, about essential health benefits. Mm-hmm. And that's what this article is about, essential health benefits. And the baked in, built in ingredients for what they consider, they being the government, essential to any insurance plan that is sold by the United States. And it's, it goes on and it says at the bottom here, it says, uh, the government should simply stay out of the health insurance business by allowing customers to pick and choose what coverage pieces they want to buy. Think of it as a buffet. As well-meaning as regulators may be, there's no way they can know all the needs and preferences of millions of patients when it comes to drugs or other forms of health care. And that's by Hadley Heath Manning. And uh, I agree. That is essential to a better life is getting the government out of our lives as much as possible. And... You know, I've been pushing this mantra <coughs> recently that Excuse me. the most dangerous thing that we have regarding uh, liberty in the United States today, the most dangerous threat is this unfounded belief in the uh, competence of the federal government. What did we do before Obamacare? Yeah, well, I mean, before Obamacare, I was on the side of let's reform insurance even more because mm-hmm. I thought the insurance mandates even then were too strenuous. And those were state by state mandates. And then along came Obamacare. And not only did you have state mandates, but you had uh, health essential health benefits that were mandated by the federal government. And then if you couldn't afford them, then you uh, either fined or uh, you went broke paying for them. Yeah. Or, or, or if you couldn't afford them, then the government said, here, we'll give you extra help, mm-hmm. which is basically taking money from one American and give it to another American to whom they don't belong. That's right. Without any asking either American, do you want money from someone that doesn't belong? Or uh, or do you want to give money to something? How that- many people, so if they called they called house, they called all, all the houses, and we're sitting at home one night watching a movie, and we get a telephone call, and it's the government, someone from the government, and they say, hey, you know, would you like to pay let's say $200 a month to your neighbor who can't afford health insurance. I would How many people no. would say, yeah, I want to do that? I would say, well, who's my who's my neighbor? I mean, which neighbor? Mm-hmm. And they'd say, well, just we're going to put all the money in a big basket and we're going to divvy it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, everyone would say, no, you know, I need that money for my own family. I'd say, you know what? Well, why are we paying? <coughs> well, let's back up. I'd say, well, what are we paying for again? And they'd say, we're paying for health insurance. I said, well, health insurance, Why? why is it so expensive? And then there would be a dead silence on the other end. And they say, well, as essential health benefits make it expensive. Well, no, they're going to say, well, they're also going to say, well, um, yes, well, what if you hurt your back and you need to see a chiropractor? I say, well, I'll go see a chiropractor. What about um, birth control? I don't have any daughters. I don't have any da- if they did, I, would, I mean, we can get birth control <laughs> pills for 10 bucks, 30 bucks maybe <coughs> a month. So I don't know. Why do we need that? So it's essential health benefits as part of it. And that's, that's, uh, that's one of the things I think health insurance is not health care. That's one thing. The other thing is um, the federal government does not have one wits idea of how to manage the health care choices of every individual American out there. None of you listening would want the federal government, I think, should want the federal government to decide what health insurance you should have. And if you do, then uh, maybe that's a voluntary thing. You can sign up for the government-sponsored or the government-endorsed plan. That's great There's nothing wrong with endorsements, you know. People endorse everything from what you drink to what kind of shoes you wear. Maybe the government, if if someone had such a strong belief in the competence of the federal government, and they said, you know what, I just want the government seal of approval, then the government can endorse one. They say, look, this is the one we recommend, 
it, you know, if you have a sprained toe, it covers you. If you if you have you want generic medication that's free at Publix, if you want that covered under your insurance, it's covered. Um, if you want to go to a hospital, it's covered. And this is the one we endorse for that. And then they can pick it. Mm-hmm. But don't make everyone pay for it. <coughs> and don't pretend like it's necessary for everyone to have your plan uh, just to see the doctor for anything. Uh, even surgery. You know, Surgery Center of Oklahoma does fine fine work and they don't take insurance now um we need a surgery center of florida yeah so now there is an entity out of clearwater mm-hmm. that yeah we had them on uh chris mm-hmm. markford he's the uh he's the director of the uh i think i believe it was orthopedics surgery center of clearwater mm-hmm. clearwater anyway it's orthopedic surgery center in clearwater and they do fee for service yeah if you go on you say i need a knee replacement and i don't have uh, insurance coverage for it, or I do have insurance. I just want to see what the cash price is because my deductible is so much. Mm-hmm. Heck, you may be able to get your knee uh, operation done for less than your copay would be with your insurance company at the Orthopedic Surgery Center of Clearwater. I believe that's what it's called. <clears throat> yes, and you know that is one thing that um, you know we find. Well, when I'm calling around trying to find facilities for patients, they always want to know if a patient has insurance or not because mm-hmm. they're going to make them pay. Um, you know, so you have a cash price if you do not have insurance, and then there's another price if you um, have insurance but just don't want to use it. Yeah. They make you pay more, and it's it's a, a <coughs> excuse me, it's a lot. It's a big difference in money. You know, it made me think Usually of a that, thousand or, or so more. Made me think of that uh, that brochure I was going to bring in. The there's a local, not local, it's a national lab that's now doing cash ser- cash pay. Prices for patients, which is great, and mm-hmm. I applaud them for that. Uh, I think that's further proof of what I what I've been saying is, and it's not my original saying, but uh, Andrew Breitbart said that culture. I mean, politics is downstream of culture, and politics meaning at the federal level and national level, and, and then things that are influenced by politics, uh, such as health policy. And so, uh, this national laboratory now has advertised cash pay prices, which are pretty reasonable. They're not as cheap as ours because ours are member prices. At Echelon Health because we we they pay what we pay but anyway they're reasonable price there's not exorbitant fee and now if you have if you don't have insurance you can go there but at the caveat at the bottom it says you know you must be uninsured and uh, you have to be receiving discounted services from your healthcare provider mm-hmm. and it just there's this always this this um, kind of tinge of a uh, uh, shame I think when you don't have insurance they're like oh you don't have insurance like you're oh you must be poor right just like oh, our patient you must be uh, you must be a was, free clinic person I was going to Zephyr Hills I referred them to a doctor in Zephyr Hills yeah and they do uh, they have a program there if they take cash paying patients mm-hmm. and um, he hugged her oh and, yeah you know, she's like don't and, don't worry <coughs> excuse me treated her like she was homeless uh-huh and I mean, this doctor's a nice doctor, you know, but yes, he yeah. automatically thought that she was very poor and these people are not poor at all. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, people increasingly who don't have insurance are not doing it because they're, are they don't, they can't afford it. They, well, they can't afford it because it's thousands of dollars, but they don't want it. They just right. think it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, hey, I want to sell you a, uh, I want to sell you a $2,000 car for $15,000. Well, I don't want it. You know, they were, they're trying to sell them a policy so they can get one free physical a year and then they can be covered if they have something above, you know, their deductible, which may be $10,000 and they want them to pay $1,000 a month for it. Mm-hmm. Like, forget it. I don't want it. So treating those people like they don't like they're to be shamed because they don't have insurance is not the right thing. 
But again, back to my point is, so, you know, the culture of free market medicine, you know, direct primary care, concierge medicine, all the assorted uh, industries that are uh, working on the free market of medicine has forced this company to acknowledge, hey, look, there's some cash paying patients out there who are been ignored by us so far. And they probably don't like it when they get a bill from the um, from the lab that's for hundreds of dollars for just a few tests. Mm-hmm. I also want to cover this. This is from uh, uh, this is from the American Medical Association, and it's from AMA uh, online. This AMA assn.org says at Stanford, physician burnout costs at least seven point seven five million dollars a year. Physician burnout, this is, it doesn't say the author is, just, I guess, staff. Physician burnout is a major predictor of physician turnover, which has a high cost. At Stanford Medicine, replacing a physician who leaves because of burnout can cost at least 25, I'm sorry, $250,000. So addressing the organizational factors that contributed to, that contribute to burnout becomes more of just a question of helping physicians. It's a matter of the bottom line. If we don't do anything about burnout, what would happen? Asked Miriam Hamadi, I believe that's how you say it, PhD during a presentation at the American Conference on Physician Health. Hamadi and Mickey Trokel, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, <coughs> MD, PhD of Stanford Medicine Well Med Center and Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Health Sciences led this study. Physicians who are experiencing burnout are more than twice as likely to leave their organization within two years. This results in significant financial burden to academic medical centers and healthcare organizations. So what do you think about that? So these are professors well, this and is, uh, so uh, professors that teach at a college mm-hmm. and also see patients? I guess so. Okay, so. So they're saying, look, you know, physician burnout's a problem. And it's not even a problem from the humanistic standpoint only. It's a problem from, look how much it costs to replace a doctor. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's kind of interesting because... Uh, when I think of physician burnout, I think of how it affects me, a physician, or how it affects my patient because I'm giving them poor quality care. But they're saying, look at it from the you know, <laughs> they're standpoint. thinking about it from their standpoint. Yes. Yeah, they're saying, well, in addition to the humanist, it says, aside from the humanistic factors, we are also trying to make a point that organizations should invest <laughs> money into preventing burnout. She said, if they don't do it, it can have a significant financial cost associated with it. So that's pretty good. Uh, that's pretty astute. Now, here's the other thing is, so what is, what causes physician burnout? Well, what do you think causes physician burnout? You've well, worked in medicine for a long time. Well, I mean, we all know that uh, when you go to the doctor, you um, don't get much time with them because they have 30 patients to see between the hours of 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock. Okay. And so I don't, I, you know, a lot of doctors realize they're not providing the kind of care that they want to provide when they first when they were 19 years old wanted to be a doctor to help people so that's the big thing they don't have enough time with their patients because their schedule is too busy all right well here's the ama also the demand some patients put on their physician i think this is ama steps forward tactics to reduce burnout this can be found online uh tactics to reduce burnout for use in your practice setting this is from the ama (coughs) to improve feelings of control and or reduce feelings of chaos Provide flexible scheduling options for providers such as more part-time options, seven days on, seven days off for ambulatory practices, flexible scheduling at the beginning and end of the day for clinicians who are parents, consistently schedule support staff with the same providers, 
providers, not doctors. Uh, outsource time-consuming tasks such as coding to other departments and other staff members in the organization. Pilot a quote cap or pilot a call quote cap and trade program in which providers are compensated more if they are willing to take more call time. This may relieve the burden on providers who find it difficult to take call shifts because of personal obligations. To implement team spirit and teamwork, implement clinic changes such as regular care team huddles, <laughs> work with occupational health or organizational development departments to hold training so you're sessions. So get in a big circle like, like football players. Yeah. Beat well, on their chest a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold a... Work with occupational health or organizational development departments to hold training sessions on building trust and respect within the team. Recognize accomplishments of providers at staff meetings or through one-on-one -on -one recognition. It goes on and on. Oh, here we go. Provide a mechanism for providers to give ongoing feedback. This is to improve communications. Uh, holding office hours with a lead with leader. Putting out a comment box. Oh, everyone needs a comment, Bob. Work with your electronic healthcare record vendor or IT department to provide better EHR templates. Don't say anything here about really changing anything except try to help them cope with it as much as they can without uh, quitting. There's a lot of stress on doctors. You know, think about um, you, you have a friend that you know sends you messages about his day. Yeah. And so not only is he required to, I don't know how many patients he sees, but you know, I'm sure he has a full schedule. And then during his day, he also has patients send him emails. Mm -hmm. So then he's responsible for responding to those emails. Mm -hmm. And then he has to chart somewhere. He's got to do his notes mm -hmm. and refill medications and order labs. And do uh, quality measures and yes, make sure all the meaningful click boxes use. are right. Yes. Answer emails <laughs> when he didn't do the click boxes right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I'm thankful. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. I am so thankful that we don't deal with that crap here. I'm sure our patients are too. We had two new patients today. Well, we do have two or three. Two. Two. Mm -hmm. two new patients. So that's I'm thankful for that. Thankful that the word is out on the street about free market medicine. And we're, I'm thankful for, um, thankful for at least the opportunity to do this. Because I tell you, if I didn't have the opportunity to do this, I would hang up the the old stethoscope and I would call it a day because I wouldn't participate in the burnout uh, type of practice that mm. is commonplace. I, I know. I'm so thankful too that. And that's just my. I get to work I, I'm here. Not casting dispersions on people who do. I'm just saying, for me personally, mm. I would quit. You know, I'm thankful that I, we don't have to quit. I'm thankful for our patients. Really, I'm thankful for you know all the other leaders out there. I don't, say I'm a leader, but I'm, uh, people who are on the same side of the, you know, equation as far as, you know, Michael Tatro, uh, you know, Keith Smith, you know, all these people are out there and all the other people who are not necessarily in medicine. Um, you know, Bill Kosart's a good friend of ours who's very active in promoting all types of free market medicine, mm -hmm. not just direct primary care, but telemedicine. So all these people who are, are willing to take take i would call it the um excuse me i i call it the less easy path because really the 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 system quote unquote is set up against doing anything that's outside of the ordinary of 
click boxes, uh, CPT codes, ITD9 codes, uh, insurance for everything type medicine. Mm-hmm. The system is set up against that, and the government is set up against mm-hmm. that. Well, and you know, it is, you know, this job, I, I do love doing what we do. But, you know, when you're a business owner, when you go out on your own, you know, when you're a physician, you work, you know, you work for someone else. They're responsible for, you know, payroll and licensings mm-hmm. and all that. When you go out on your own, it's it's a lot harder. You know, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I think mm-hmm. the, the best thing is, you know, there's some quote going around that says, you know, I forgot what it says. Something about like stress is uh, working for something that you have to and. Something else about doing something that you want to. I forget what it is. I screwed it up. Anyway, the point is, is you can work hard anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you can work hard a variety of different ways. You can work mm-hmm. hard, you know, doing things that are important, useful, productive, and at the end of the day will make a difference. Mm-hmm. You can work just as hard doing things that are not going to make a difference, uh, non-productive. Actually, you can work hard at doing things if you're in the federal government that are counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to choose, you know, what level of you know, what it, what is, makes you happy as far as being a, a physician or whatever, a nurse, doctor, nurse practitioner, or anything, anybody out there listening, mm-hmm. you know, marketing person, anybody out there. And I think that, you know, I've been seeing these things on um, uh, Twitter and things like that, talking about um, just just this overall, it's all this corruption that you're seeing all across the, the spectrum from from the uh, media to to politicians, you know, sexual harassment, Hollywood. And think about how much of those types of people hold sway over the everyday Americans' uh, view of what life is like. Mm-hmm. You know, we get up and we're magnified. I call it the media, micro, media, media megaphone effect. And so if you're in a, say you're in an in a auditorium and there's 10 people up there in the auditorium and you're one of the 10 people and let's say eight of them have an opinion that's like yours and two of them have an opinion that's not like yours and then you're at the media conference and every time you get up there or someone is one of those eight people <coughs> like yourself you have to speak to the to the crowd and in a voice and everything that you know some people can hear you the ones in the back can't really hear you and then when the person that does the other voices get up there those two the media hands them a microphone and they say okay or a megaphone and then they say okay now speak and then you go around the room and you ask them you know what's the dominant thought out there and most of them would say well it's it's you know those two people the the other viewpoint that's not mine and you don't know what the other people's viewpoint is necessarily but you get this uh misconception that whatever you think is not not the majority and I think that's going on a lot now. And people are starting, I think 2017 is going to be a year that is very helpful that people kind of don't believe the the stuff they're spoon fed. Uh, yeah, that's definitely the case. I think the internet has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Well, because people can do their own research. You know, you know, a lot of it though, it's being restricted even though. Uh, you, you've seen a lot of it in social media. They call it, you know, making sure that the right news is getting out there or, or from authorized sources. So, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, a lot of them are dialing back on the amount of information that's out there and they're kind of verifying it first. That's what these fact checkers are very uh, keen on doing. So fact checkers, you know, or like, you know, if I get up there and I say uh, I'm running for office, I say this person is a sexual pervert and they uh, did this, that and the other. Then the fact checkers are supposed to come along and say, yeah, what he said was right or not right. But what Mm -hmm. you're finding now is the fact checkers 
like um, you know, PolitiFact and all these, a lot of times have an agenda just the same as anybody else would. And so a lot of the fact checkers are being used more as a editorial commentary versus anything else. So even though the internet has made ideas that are heretofore, uh, I guess you call shielded or otherwise not made uh, prominent in the media, more prominent, there's still a little bit of pushback. But I think 2017 is going to be the year you know, people are just saying to hell with it. I don't believe you. Uh, media or or Congress, you know, Congress. Thank goodness, people are starting to get the get the idea that Congress doesn't have every answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the media and Congress and government in general has tried to make people think that we have all the right answers. We are the smartest in the group, and you should listen to us from Washington D.C. We can help you find your insurance and make the insurance plan that you should have and we will spoon feed that to you and you will buy it and just march along and do everything we say and i think more and more people are starting to say i don't believe you and i question your i question your judgment i question your intellect and um someone wrote that on twitter they said uh i I think it was um rick gator on twitter i think it was him yeah i think it was him he wrote um I put a quote up for something or I responded to one of his quotes and he said, he put a quote up. It says, we must remember that the government is, is made up of men and not very good men to begin with or something to Mm. that effect. So the government is, the government is made up of just valuable men and they aren't necessarily people you'd want to even have uh, watch your dog, much less make laws for you. Mm -hmm. William F. Buckley once said that he would rather soon be ruled by the first 2000 names out of the Boston phone book than he would by the uh, uh, faculty at Harvard, I believe it was, or something. I forgot to that effect. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I hope you get over your man cold. I, I don't have, man have a man yet. cold. You know, was, yesterday you I was cold, out raking. I know. If and you had man cold. Did I make dinner? I can't remember. Well, we, no, probably, we had leftovers. We'd have to be initiating chemotherapy soon. <laughs> I know. Thank you all for listening. Join us on Facebook. Uh, Twitter at TampaDirectCare.com or at TampaDirectCare. Join us on all the different social media platforms if you're interested. Thank you all for listening. We've had, oh gosh, I don't know how many listens over the past year and a half. All over the world, Japan, United States, Canada, Germany, everywhere. People just love us. And then if you you want to subscribe, subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes if you would. That helps apparently and then uh just send us an email if you want ask dr tommy.com at the bottom there's a mail link and if you have any questions and if you have any criticisms leave us that too that'd be fun we'll cover that and have a happy thanksgiving and this month or this week we're going to have the song of the week is um, from acdc who uh, recently lost their founding father malcolm young uh one half of the young brothers and one half of the guitar assault that um, makes every ACDC song um, most easily recognizable. And so our wish, uh, best wishes to uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the Young family and the Hell's Bells. Until next time, bye-bye.